Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey Ma, come here, they got a show on the radio for pipe smoking people just like you. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Hey, coming to you 100% pre-recorded and literally two hours after we finished last week's show. Yeah, I'm heading back out west for the week and uh, got a lot of stuff to do out there, all all family-related, but uh, hoping to... uh, be there to celebrate my mom's 70th birthday on Saturday and uh, maybe sneak in a little Disneyland time over the weekend. But anyway, uh, this show's pre-recorded because I am uh, flying back now. Yeah, crossing the skies again. Anyway, on uh, tonight's show, hey, you know what? We're all getting ready for the Chicago Pipe Show. Hope you are going to be there. Um thought I'd uh, touch on in Pipe Parts uh, preparations for going to a pipe show. What do you need to do beforehand? And uh, some uh, some little tips for you. And my guest is uh, Stephen Willett. And Stephen Willett is the proprietor, owner of LJ Peretti Company, the second oldest tobacconist in the United States. Uh, music mailbag and rant all that coming up on a uh, 100% pre-recorded show for you all right don't forget right now the jdrf fundraiser is going on appreciate anything you can do keep an eye on the pipe stud ebay's steve fallon keep an eye on his website i've now seen uh eight or ten things that he's going to be auctioning off and again this is pre-recorded so i'm not sure if he's going to be able to get them up on saturday or not but hey every little bit that you can do helps research for a cure and for better treatment for type 1 diabetics like my daughter uh last year we did three thousand dollars i sure would like to hit that again Anyway, all right, everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at one 888 366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. And I am back. I uh, kind of like doing these 
pre-recorded shows because I don't have Kevin in my ear and no time constraints. So I just went and got a cup of coffee and relit my pipe. And anyway, all right, so getting ready for a pipe show. Uh, first thing that I do is whatever pipes I'm going to take with me, I make sure and I clean them up so that they look nice because my pipes get smoked, all of them, and they don't always get treated the best. So yeah, pipe show time is a good time to clean up whatever you're going to bring with you. Um, if you're, you're going to a pipe show as a buyer, doesn't matter what pipe show you're going to, but especially Chicago, have in your mind a set budget. You don't want to exceed your budget because financial strains are not good. Um, also have in your mind a target of what you're looking for. I want you to set in your mind how much you want to pay for what you're looking for but I don't want you to stick to that because if you see something that really strikes your fancy that you've never seen before or a tobacco that you've uh that that you tried at the show and you got all excited about it I want you to have the flexibility to say okay I'm going to switch up and I'm going to take this amount of money and move it over into that uh if you're bringing pipes to trade or to sell Take a look at eBay, take a look at smokingpipes.com, take a look at what the uh, what the current market value is for estate pipes because as we've heard in the past, values move up and down as trends come and go. So I want you to make sure that you are well aware of what you have and what it's selling for on eBay and understand that that's probably a pretty good fair market value or if it's really cleaned up well, uh, what some of the uh, professional estate seller companies get for that same for that same pipe. I just want you to be smart enough so that you get the value out of what you have. Don't overestimate it. Don't underestimate it. Don't think that because you've got something that you think is rare and you take it to a pipe show, it's not. It may not always be the truth. Um. When you are negotiating a trade, uh, companies, professional companies like Smoking Pipes and those guys, they have a set standard that they work with. They're going to stick within their set standard. If you're dealing one-on-one with a uh, with another pipe smoker, another collector, you know, then you got some horse trading and some room to barter back and forth. Uh, if you're looking for a pipe from a specific artisan pipe maker an individual carver understand that they may be running a bit of a show special but also understand that you know i i don't really feel right asking these guys for a discount if they're offering one yeah i'll take it but if the price is what the price you know the price is what the price is and i am the the leading expert on my own opinion and that's my opinion when you're dealing with a guy who makes his living or a lady who makes their living full-time making these pipes they've set their standards for their prices if the price doesn't work into your schedule of uh, or your budget you know hey then the pipe just wasn't meant to be um Bring comfortable clothing. I don't know how many times I have to tell people, bring clothing that you're comfortable in, especially nowadays with indoor shows and outdoor smoking areas. Make sure that you're going to be comfortable sitting in the outdoor smoking area. 
Uh, at Chicago, it can be very cold. Sometimes it can be very hot. In uh, Columbus, it can be very warm. It can be very wet. It just, you know, just dress for the weather. Check the weather two or three days out and make sure that you're dressed comfortably for inside the show and outside the show in the smoking tent. Um, spend a particular amount of time with the tobacco folks because anybody that's got tobacco open for sampling, even though you may not have been interested in that product prior, well, now you've got a chance, if you haven't had it before, to actually try that tobacco. Load up a bowl, step outside, puff on it for 5-10 minutes, see what you think. The biggest benefit of going to a pipe show is getting a chance to try a lot of different tobaccos. There may be other collectors that have opened up cans of tobacco and are offering samples. Perfect time to do that. But again, stick to your budget. Stay within your comfort zone as far as expenses go. Um, Always ask the uh, people that are selling pipes if you can pick up the pipe before you do that. Uh, if If you pick up a pipe and it's just too expensive for you, it just doesn't work out, just be polite. You know, don't... Don't have to uh, don't have to feel bad about it. Don't have to be ashamed about it. Don't have to be rude about it either. Uh, just set the pipe down, or if the pipe just doesn't work for you when you get it in your hand, just say, "Hey, it's just not the just not exactly what I'm looking for." Nothing wrong with the pipe. Nothing wrong with the price. It's just not working for you. Um, talk to other collectors and other people. If you see somebody that you that looks interesting to you and they're sitting down in the smoking tent and you've got and they got room at the table, sit down and introduce yourself to them. You'll meet some really wonderful new friends. Uh, you know, most of these guys are all just there to enjoy their pipes and pipe tobaccos and talk to people. So walk up, introduce yourself to new people. Even if you're a forum guy and you see some of those YouTube people sitting over there, you know what? Walk up, sit down, and introduce yourself to them. Uh, You know, in my case, a lot of the guys that are on YouTube are my son's age, so it's kind of fun to talk to them and see what they're thinking. Anyway, uh, the main thing is, again, again, give yourself plenty of time to enjoy the show. Don't try to rush in and rush out. You don't, want to, you don't want the pressure of time forcing you to make your purchases. The time at a pipe show that is spent there is invaluable, so schedule your time so that you've got a comfortable pace. Stay within your budget. Know the value of an estate pipe that you might be looking for or the pipes that you have that you might want to trade or sell. And just go and meet people and enjoy. And definitely, if you see me at the show, come up, say hi, shake my hand, introduce yourself, all that. Love meeting all of you. All right, in just a minute, my uh, interview with uh, Stephen Willett of LJ Peretti. This is Internet Radio. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. 
Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit. As the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth, you smile. Casting your first line into the water, the slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the Great Outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, America's oldest tobacco company and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and we're going deep back into history with tonight's guest, Stephen Willett of the L.J. Peretti Pipe and Cigar Shop and a historical monument in our industry. Mr. Willett, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. All right, so first, let's let's learn about you. When did you first start smoking a pipe, and what got you interested in it? Well, I probably started smoking a pipe when I was about 18 or 19 when I was in college, and I wandered into the L.J. Peretti Company. I had a couple of friends that smoked pipes, and I thought I would try it out. Uh, now, how many years ago was that? So when when you first walked into the shop, I mean, what was it like? Did they take you? Did the guys in the shop take you through picking out a pipe and picking out tobaccos? Yeah, well, when I first walked into the shop, of course, it was a very different milieu. The the gentlemen that worked here all had gray coats on and ties, and uh, they all seemed very serious. And of course, pipe smoking was more serious then. And uh, yeah, I think I uh, they. I picked out a cheap pipe, probably around 295 for a briar pipe or 350, and I just started selling me sample of tobaccos. Uh, did they walk you through how to properly load a pipe and light it? Oh yes, we went through. We went through the whole thing about filling it halfway and smoke it to the bottom, and uh, you know, not smoke, spilling it halfway the first six or eight times to smoke it, not to tamp it, not to refire it. Yes, we went through all that. So, so they told you to to break in the to start breaking in and caking up the bottom of the bowl first, and then build the cake up towards the top afterwards. Absolutely, they were very uh, very strict about that, and we try to maintain those standards today. Yeah, so, and what what were you going to school for? Uh, at that time, I was in a six year pre med program, but I switched later to literature. So you went from went from pre med to literature to running one of the oldest tobacconists in the country. Right, second oldest in the country. Right. Yeah. All right. So With a few steps in between. You 
Yeah, so so what are those steps in between and, and did you at the beginning did you instantly become an everyday pipe smoker? Well, I don't think instantly. The first tobacco I smoked regularly was not a Peretti tobacco. It was, as a matter of fact, it was McBaron's, Virginia, and I can remember having stacks of empty tins in my dorm room. <laughs> so I, that tobacco sort of hooked me, but then I moved on to Burley's and English mixtures. And in much the same way, I, uh, I, wor- I uh, became a customer here, and then I went to uh, graduate school I came back and worked here part-time. I was in New Haven. And I worked here. I was only going to, I taught two days a week, and I was working on my dissertation, and I uh, came to work here part-time. Have you had any other jobs? Oh, yeah, I've had a lot of jobs. I mean, I taught for 20, 22 years at the university level after graduate school. And then after that, I... uh, worked in the family business, which was the chemical business, for 10 years with my father. And then we sold that, and I came back and uh, started working here again because I was bored. And I thought I might like to invest in the company, and I took part of my salary for a number of years in stock, and then when Mr. Peretti was ready to retire, I bought him out. And that was about 20 years ago. And is that the first time that it has been owned by somebody whose last name is not Peretti? That's right. The first time since 1870. Yeah, so uh, let's go back to the beginning of the company. I mean, how did it How did it start, and what, where in Boston was it? Uh, the company was started in 1870 by Mr. Peretti, who's still alive. He's 95, by his grandfather, Libero Joseph Peretti hence L.J. Peretti, and it started in the north end, the Italian end of Boston, even though they were adamantly not Italian, according to Mr. Peretti, they were Swiss from Lugano, and it was started as the L.J. Peretti Cuban Cigar Company, that was the name of the company, and uh, they, over the next 20 to 30 years, they had a cigar factory in Boston, they had 45 rollers, which they fed and uh, took care of and housed. And it was a traditional factory with a lectore, a reader, and they produced a number of clear Havana cigars and blended cigars that were very popular in the Northeast. So how does it, how does it transition from a cigar factory into a uh, full-service tobacconist? Well, the factory was separate from the store. They had a number of stores in the financial district of downtown Boston because in the late uh, uh, 19th century, early 20th century, there was probably a cigar store, tobacco store in every corner. And then Libero's father, Joseph, who was known as the major because he was a major in World War I, started developing pipe tobacco and uh, because he had been visited England and he was interested in pipe smoking, and he developed some of the first blends in the United States. In fact, our British blend is the first English-type blend ever created in the United States, so that would have been in the 20s, 1920s. And from there, it became a uh, L.J. Peretti company. The Cuban Cigar Company was dropped, even though they were still making cigars. And when Social Security came in and uh, you had to start, you had to have many more benefits for your workers, that was the dissolution of the factory, and they had cigars made for them rather than make them themselves. 
grew along with the current of more pipe smokers in the United States in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and they developed more blends during that time. And then Mr. Peretti, the third Mr. Peretti, came into the business before World War II, actually, and his father opened the store that we're in now in Park Square, and he took it over, and then after the war, he came back and ran the business, and his father had a stroke, and he ran the business solely after that. Can you? I've been in your store, and it's a wonderful location, but for those that haven't been to Boston, can you kind of describe where where it is and what you look out over? Well, it's actually in the geographic center of Boston by happenstance, and it's across from the Public Gardens and Boston Common, which are two large parks. And on the other corner is the Four Seasons Hotel now, so we've been very lucky how the evolution of the uh, city has brought us to this really best location in town. And on the other side of the park is a, a little restaurant called the Bowl and Finch? Yeah, that's where that Cheers program was uh, originally filmed, or that was the inspiration for the filming of the, of the sitcom Cheers, yeah. Yes, I mean, you're right in the heart of historic old Boston, and uh, just in a, in a... Right, near Beacon Hill on the Back Bay. We're part of the Back Bay, technically, but right, yeah, right in Boston, right in the middle of Boston. And, a, uh, and walking distance to Fenway Park. Yeah, you can walk to Fenway Park. It's probably about a mile. Uh, and the Boston Garden, where the Celtics and Bruins play, is probably a mile in the other direction. You know, so it doesn't always uh, lend itself to the best parking situations, but it's a <laughs> trade-off. No, par- parking is not the is not a uh, is not freely found in your location. However, you can walk to everywhere you ever need to. So if you're in downtown right. Boston and the weather's good. Don't don't drive. Just park the car somewhere and forget about it. All right. There's plenty of garages and places nearby. All right. So let, let's go back for a minute to that first English blend. Uh, so that was is that the first time a Latakia product was used in the United States? A Latakia Virginia product, yeah. Uh, and he, of course, had been in London and he had smoked some of the older. Dunhill tobaccos and, you know, Freiburg and Trayer and some of those tobaccos, and he liked that taste, and so, you know, he tried to get away from the Burley, which was a dominant crop in the United States, and create something different. Since uh, we were in a, in a city that had a lot of uh, English descendants and people, it was a cosmopolitan city, a lot of people had experienced that flavor in their blend. And, and with the heavy Irish influence in Boston, at one point, you guys were the importer for Peterson Pipes. For 40 years, or 45 years, we were the U.S. importer of Peterson Pipes. And I, uh, if you go to uh, Sally Noggin, where the uh, Captain Peterson factory is now, and you look through the ledgers, you can see page after page of purchases by Peretti's. And I have seen pictures in the uh, in the, one of the older stores of from pre World War II of boxes of Peterson pipes literally stacked ten feet high to the ceiling. <laughs> we we're also the U.S. importers of Sullivan Powell tobacco, which I suppose no one remembers anymore. But they were extraordinary English blends that uh, we imported and distributed throughout the United States. 
And now, with with the background of the company, are English tobaccos still a very big part of your sales? Yeah, considering that we hand blend all the tobaccos here, we probably have about 25 English blends, which I would say is a high percentage for any business. I mean, as you know, there are not many businesses that blend anymore. But among those that do, I would say we produce as many English blends as anybody else. And they're all distinct blends. They're not slight variations. They're, I mean, you smoke one right away and you can taste the difference among the blends. But we also have a lot of Burleys, too. And traditional Burleys. And do you do a lot of, uh, you do some aromatics as well? Oh, yeah, we do. We do quite a few aromatics. I mean, uh, Robert Freddy, who, as I said, was my partner for a number of years, uh, he was an extreme tobacco enthusiast, and from the time he was about 16, he started uh, dabbling and blending, and he came up with some absolutely amazing aromatics, and he had uh, one of the, well, a couple of flavoring houses, which, again, don't exist, create flavorings to his specifications, and we thankfully we bought enough of the flavorings that we can still make the tobaccos. So, yeah, I would say we have... 2025 20, uh, aromatic tobacco, sure. I mean, not just a traditional Cavendish type, like a uh, Captain Black type tobacco or an all black uh, tobacco, vanilla cured tobacco, but we have some truly distinct aromatics. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about the evolution of some of these blends and uh, how you keep up with the changes in the industry. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Stephen Willett of the L.J. Peretti Company, and I, I know a bunch of your L.J. Peretti tobaccos. I mean, they go back, they go back all the way to the early 1900s. Uh, how it, it's got to be tough to keep up with the changes in the tobacco industry and still try to keep those blends as true to their original nature as possible. Uh, well, it's difficult, but uh, if you have the formulas what, and you know what they taste like, I mean, it's not insurmountable. We've had certainly had to make some uh, concessions and some alterations to some of the blends, but I would say that uh, 
the fact that I've been in the business a long time and that Mr. Peretti was, uh, our palate's are pretty, uh, pretty good when it comes to how the blend should taste. Getting the tobaccos is another matter sometimes. And as I said before, uh, the aromatic blends, uh, we've had to scramble at times, but we we like to think that we're very true to our mission. For example, I can remember a, a time in the 60s when we couldn't get the aromatic for uh, one of our most famous tobaccos, which is called No Name. We just pulled it from the market for two years because we weren't happy with the way it tasted. So we're not adverse to doing that. We'd rather have the integrity in the tobacco than to have a, a lame imitation. But, yeah, it, is, it can be difficult at times, yes. I mean, there's, probably, there's always problems with Turkish tobacco, and, you know, for a while it was a little bit of a scare with Perique, but uh, somehow we muddle through. <laughs> we still keep rolling, don't we? We do. Uh, but it's harder because we have about 90 uh, standard blends we make all the time, and over the years we've made over 250,000 private blends. So sometimes when someone hasn't called in five or ten years and they want two or three pounds of their tobacco, then that's that's where the real challenge comes in. I have the formula, but I mean, you know, it might not taste exactly the same because Burley has changed, and you know, crops, as you know, crops change from year to year. So, did I hear that right? You have 250,000 custom blends on record? On record, yeah. We have all the original blend books in the safe that uh, we go way back. You know, like uh, one of our most popular tobaccos is D7485, which to most people is just a number, but it actually was the tobacco of uh, Sir Ramsay MacDonald, who was the Prime Minister of Great Britain in the 30s, and he wandered in here on... I think it was April 22nd, 1933, with the premier of Canada and uh, the prime minister of France. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, he wanted a, a blend made up, and hence 7485 evolved. It took a couple of weeks, but they uh, they found a blend that he liked, and he smoked it for the rest of his life. So, so if, yeah, we have all the blends. So if I wanted some of that, I could call you up and order it, and, uh, and it'd be shipped out eventually? same day uh, we make it all the time yeah it's, it's, it's that popular it's been popular since 1933 and that's a it's actually a cross between an american and an english blend it's it has the components of an english blend but it has some burley in it so strictly speaking it's not an english blend is there a uh, is there like a a, a a greatest hits list of your blends that we should try if we want to start dabbling around? Well, I suppose there is. I mean, if someone called me and asked that, I would ask whether they like sweetness or spiciness or what kind, what the base tobaccos they would like to be. But, yeah, I would say there are three or four that I would put in there. I mean, there's... Uh, if you like Burley, I would start with 101, which is a uh, pretty simple Burley blend with an Irish aromatic tobacco, and it's got a very slight sweetness, but it's a great all-day smoke. And then I would try 7485, which I've already mentioned. And, uh, you know, moving over on the English side, Century was a blend that Mr. Purdy made for our 100th anniversary, and that's a great blend. It's a, a natural Cavendish and matured Virginia and Latakia. It's the all about the proportions, as you know, Brian, so I'm not really divulging anything here. And then Royal is a blend that's been, it continues to be extremely popular. It's a, one of our first Balkan blends, and it's bright Virginia and Dubek, Turkish, and Latakia. And I mean, I can, I must blend it every other day. 
and then there are you know there are certainly Cavendishes that are popular too, like Belmont, which has a little bit of rum in it, so it's, it's distinctive from the Cavendishes you take out of the bag and just repackage. So let's say, let's say I come to Boston. Are all these blends available for me to sniff, touch, taste, and uh, and spend? Yeah, the, the ninety standard blends are all in jars or cans behind the scale, and uh, you we encourage people to try them and light up half a bowl or a bowl. If they don't like it, dump it out and try something else while they're talking to our staff. And we try to determine which way to direct their palate so that they don't have to... Essentially, we don't want them to make a purchase of a tobacco they don't like and say, you know, and leave the store thinking, I don't really like this. So I, I encourage people to try tobaccos, yes. What's the longest time somebody has actually spent standing in your store taste testing and trying stuff? Oh, three or four hours. <laughs> well, we have several customers, who, and they're repeat customers, too, who come in and... Uh, waste half the day yeah but the, you know that's part of the that's part of the uh, the uh, makeup of a pipe you know they don't like to commit too easily it's like buying a pipe it's the same thing it takes patience to service that clientele it's not like reaching for a box of cigars and handing it to them and having them walk out and that's why everybody who works with me smokes a pipe because if you're not interested you're not going to connect with the customer the, uh, we send samples out. By the way, by mail order, we you know if someone wants to order three or four samples, we'll send them to them, no charge. And the website it's is L- rare today. The website ljperetti.com, and yeah. that's always changed. And our Instagram and Facebook pages are very popular too. So I would encourage people to look at those. But it's L. It's the letter L. The letter J. P E R E T T I dot com. The other thing that I really like that you do is everything's available by the ounce too. So yeah, well, I, well, that's partially maybe my fault. Years ago, <laughs> I had a chance. Or we had a chance to buy a uh, a pneumatic machine that would make two ounce cans or four ounce cans of tobacco, and I we decided to pass on it. So. Uh, when we package the tobacco, it's either 8-ounce cans or 16-ounce cans, but you can buy smaller quantities in Ziploc bags. And I, personally, I like when I'm trying a tobacco, I don't want to commit to 2 ounces or 4 ounces. I would like to try it, so we try to carry that on. So in addition to your house blends, you carry a full line of other imported and domestic tobaccos. Uh, here's the question that I've wanted to ask you. Uh, how many pipes do you have for sale in the store? Well, we have an inventory of, it's probably, the pipes are more difficult to get now, but I would say we have, right now we probably have between five and 6,000 pipes. At one time it was higher when I could get more private label pipes made, and we made pipes here, but at one time it was 10,000, but I'd say honestly it's between five and 6,000 now. You're, you're only down it's to five or 6,000 pipes. That's a shame. Well, unfortunately, they appreciate, not depreciate, so I tend to buy more aggressively than some people. And I like pipes, and I have probably six or seven hundred of my own, so. And because. I like pipes, I collect pipes. Because of the size of the store, the pipes aren't all out on racks and on displays. You have them in trays? No, no, there's probably, there's probably, uh. I don't know, five or six hundred pipes out in the store, which is a mo- enough for most people. But if someone comes in and say they're looking for a 
$50 Canadian, we can go in the back and bring them out some $50 Canadians. Or, you know, if they want some more Peterson pipes, we have more. Yeah, you know, we got pipes upstairs, downstairs, they're all over the place area. Yeah. Right, now, talking to your personal pipes, uh, is there a style or a brand that you're kind of, uh, that you prefer? Well, I have more Peretti pipes than any other pipe, naturally, because uh, uh, I can remember buying straight grain seconds here for $12, and you'd be hard-pressed to find a fill in these pipes, but those days are long gone, this is in the 60s. And so I probably have, I know I have more Peretti pipes than any other pipe, and I probably... Uh, still have quite. I still probably buy or take more Peretti pipes than anything else. But in the last 20 years, I would say I used to be a big Sheridan smoker, but they're out of business. And I have a. I was close friends with Bill Taylor, who made Ashtons when Ashtons were Ashtons, and I have a lot of Ashtons. But in the last few years, I've actually been gravitating to Group Three Dunhills. I smoke probably more straight, smaller pipes than I did when I was younger. Do you so. think that's just because we, uh, as we get older, we don't want a big pipe hanging in our mouth? No, it's partly that, and I practically, I, I rarely smoke curved pipes now, and I used to smoke a lot of curved pipes. I don't know whether it's the gravity issue, but I, I smoke when I work, so I, I like smaller, yeah, I would say that's true. But even when I'm home, I tend to smoke a straight pipe now. So uh, there may be some truth in that, yeah. Uh, about how many bowls a day do you smoke? Uh, it depends. When, if I'm working, I, you know, I'm always trying to back when I blend it, so I, I smoke more half bowls and uh, full bowls, but I probably am good for 10 bowls a day. Ah, uh, must be wonderful. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, interestingly enough, when I'm not at work, I don't smoke as much. Like, I, I play a lot of golf, and I'm not one of these guys who can smoke that pipe on the golf course. I just don't, I just don't take it. I might smoke it afterwards, but, uh, you know, I, I usually have at least four, three or four bowls a day if I'm not working. When a new pipe smoker comes in, do you, do you point them towards a bent versus a straight? Uh, well, I explained to them that bent pipes is an issue with gravity. I, I actually think it's easier for a new pipe smoker to start with a straight pipe because he's not going to clean it as assiduously as an experienced pipe smoker would. However, uh, I, I let them pick out what they want, but I, the one rule I do have is I try to direct them to the cheaper pipes in the store for the same reason that I don't, I don't want them to feel gouged initially it's because you don't know if they're going to stick with it. So I'm not going to try to sell them a $100 pipe or, or higher initially unless they really want it. Although I did have a gentleman come in last year and buy a, an estate dead root straight grain group five Dunhill for $6,000. And I tried to talk him out of it, but he took, he took $6,000 in cash out of his pocket and paid for it. So <laughs> but that's, that's not the rule. That's the, the aberration. All right. With your I mean, uh, some people, you can't tell anything to, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm in the tobacco business. I know that. Right. Uh, with your background in uh, literature, are there favorite authors that you like to that, that you like to read while smoking a pipe? No, I no, I, I I don't see any correlation there. I mean, I I read a lot of literature, but I also read a lot of history, and I I don't I don't think that I've never seen any correlation whatsoever. 
to me they're separate issues altogether. So as long as you're as long as you're reading and as long as you're smoking, you're happy. There you go. Stephen, we will uh, wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is going to be the hardest one for you, but what is your favorite pipe? Uh, my favorite pipe I have is a, uh, it's a pipe that was made to, for me by Bill Taylor of Ashton, uh, it's a square shank Dublin with a silver band and a saddle bit, which I and I never smoke saddle bits, but this is just an extraordinary pipe. What is your favorite tobacco? I guess if I had to take one tobacco, for years it was Rat Razor Gowry, but I I guess I would if I had to take one tobacco somewhere with me be our Century Blend. And what is your favorite drink? Scotch neat, single malt scotch neat. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Oh, a book or a book and music. And the last question, but I've got one more for you after this, so don't hang up yet. Uh, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Uh, well, uh, well, I have a lot of good. I, uh, I guess the best memory I have is many years ago I went to London and there was a, a company that used to make pipes for us named John Redmond, and Mr. Redmond picked me up at the airport in his Rolls Royce and drove me to uh, his club in London. And uh, Richard Dunhill was there, and we had a lovely dinner and smoked our pipes afterwards. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Uh, all right, and final question just for for you because I know you guys you guys spend a lot of time teaching pipe smokers. Is is there a in between uh, an in between pipe cleaning practice that you suggest each everybody do? Well, I don't know about in between, but I suggest the usual stuff about using a pipe cleaner every time you smoke the pipe. But I would give you something that I learned many years ago from Mr. Peretti, and that is when your pipes get sour, you don't have to throw them away. And I'm not talking about oxidation on the stem. I'm talking about when the bowl tastes sour. You take the pipe bowl, and after you've had your coffee in the morning, you take the coffee grounds and fill the pipe up with the coffee grounds and leave it for a couple of days and then empty out the coffee grounds, and, and it will sweeten your pipe. Really? It takes the, the, the coffee grounds, draw the acidity and the foul taste from the residual tobacco out of the bowl, and it makes for a, a much better pipe. So you put the wet coffee grounds in the bowl, fill it all right, the way up? Right and in then... the bowl and leave it for a couple of days. You don't have to cover it, don't do anything, and then just clean it out and fire it up. Well, there's one. See, all these years in the business, and I've never heard that. So now I'm going to well, try. That's why you come to Paredes. That's why. Yeah. So when in Boston, stop by Paredes or uh, check out the website ljparedi.com. Stephen, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, thank you even even more importantly, thank you for keeping the tradition going. Okay. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> 
This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. This is Internet Radio. Well, how'd you like that? I mean, talk about an American institution. 250,000 different custom blends, 5,000, 6,000 pipes in the shop at a time. Uh, it made me made me just want to head up to Boston right away and uh, spend a day or two hanging out in the store. Uh, anyway, check out their website, ljperetti.com. Give them a call. All right, for uh, music... Uh, Jody Davis and the Newsboys have a brand new album out, so I thought we would uh, switch gears from music, uh, musically a little bit and play some Newsboys. Uh, this is from the new album called Love Riot, and the song is Love Riot. Exploding club, he's already won this. Army. 
The album is called Love Right. It's available on iTunes or directly from their website, newsboys.com. Uh, also in theaters now, the movie God's Not Dead Part 2, uh, based off of the Newsboys song, and you get to see uh, Jody in there, too, so check that out. Well, let's see what's in the mail. All right, going back to two weeks ago, the show with Tawny Nielsen on... Uh, Mike Murphy 260 says, Good episode, though. I felt your guest was a bit too quiet and reserved. After nearly four years of doing this show, I'd like to see you change those final five questions. Maybe you could put together several different sets of questions and rotate them from episode to episode. Just some food for thought, as change can sometimes be a good and refreshing thing. Also, no right or wrong answer. Can you clarify? No right answer? Um, loving the show and am nearly caught up on the back episodes. The show is invaluable to the new and seasoned pipe smokers alike. Thanks so much for continuing to do it, Mike. Mike, you're very welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I do appreciate that. Um, no right answer, no wrong answer. That just means in my way, it's my way of saying, hey, whatever comes to your mind and... The reason why I've stabilized the five questions on the same one is so that eventually we can go back and we get an idea of kind of a, you know, kind of a survey of the overall answers. Um, I think they're interesting if you look at them as a, uh, as an entire academic research, how some people are very specific and some people are very vague and some people have a little bit more hard time answering them. So we're going to keep those the same. Uh, and uh, no right answer, no wrong answer is because it's really your own opinion. Um, and you're the expert on it. But uh, thank you very much for the nice comments. Uh, Dino says, with all due respect to Mike, I've been listening to the show since it began and I'm comfortable with the format. Maybe it's because I'm old and set in my ways, but I abhor change for the sake of change. Besides, it's your show to do what you want. Uh, that said, I really enjoyed the easy pace of your conversation with Tawny. I was lucky a few years ago to sit with Tawny and Barbara at our Chicago show Friday dinner. He and his wife were so gracious to my wife Linda and me as we chatted for quite a while about all manner of things. I always make a point of stopping at his table during our Chicago shows to admire his gorgeous pipes and chat with him and his wife. Nice tune. Doesn't always have to be pipe-related. Good music is always welcome. Thanks for another fine show. Uh, you're welcome, Dino. And uh, you know what? what's interesting, and I was having this discussion uh, probably 10 days or so ago. Uh, in my daily sales job, you have to, I have to change my delivery and change my pace of sales pitch depending on the person that I'm talking to. Uh, Tawny is a very, uh, is a very soft-spoken, laid-back, kind of mellow guy. And, you know, that just comes across in how he is and who he is. Um, probably one of the reasons why he's an exceedingly meticulous pipe maker. Uh, John Seiler, the number one radio show listener, uh, says, I actually prefer smoking in my den library as opposed to on the deck. But then again, on a hot night, it is nice to sit on the deck and smoke a fine pipe. Yes, it is. 
Uh, Pre-transition barlings are great acquisitions and smokes. Tawny Nielsen is well known in the pipe community. We are fortunate that he came to America. I always enjoy seeing him and his pipes at the Chicago show. Music, Dave Brubeck, When You Wish Upon a Falling Star, a la Bass and Piano, Nice and Easy, Rant Walt Disney, TV 60th Anniversary Show, What Can I Say, So Much of TV is a Wasteland, I think that was a title of a book many years ago or something like that, good show. Yeah, uh, John, uh, talking about preferring to smoke outside versus inside, uh, I know Trent McCraney in particular doesn't like smoking outside because the smoke tends to blow away from you and you really can't get the room aroma or the note of it coming off of the bowl. So there you go. Uh, New Broom says, we all realize, Brian, that you're in the midst of your midlife by the way you patronize your older and wiser guests. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've been smoking pipes for only two years yet. I'm older than Tawny. I don't feel like the doddering old fool that I really am and don't appreciate whippersnappers making snide comments about seniority. I'm sitting here in my shorts with a bowl of tobacco and really enjoying getting to know this community. Love the bu- love the Brubeck music. Wonderful show. Keep it lit. I will, sir. And uh, just because uh, you're older and wiser than I am, I will uh, absolutely keep the show going just for you. Um, Casey Ghost writes, uh, Well, nice discussion on barling. I believe Tad Gage rewrote his series on barling pipes and their history. John Gus did some major research that greatly improved the dating of barling pipes and other things. And let me add in there that I encourage you all to go to pipedia.org, sponsored by Scott Thiele, and uh, help him out with keeping that going. And while you're there, read the barling stuff that's there. Uh, Dan goes on to write... Tawny Nielsen was a great guest. He was a little quiet, and he, while his English was quite good, he still speaks with, uh, he still speaks it a little softly. I'm a great supporter of the American Carver, but Tawny Nielsen is my favorite pipe carver. The music didn't do much for me, but it was harmless. Yeah, those TV shows that are nothing but infomercials on upcoming telecasts are insanely annoying. Yeah, and I think that was kind of my point. Um, let's see, got a couple other things here marked. Um, Quincy Worthington has sent me a request. And he would like to know, of the famous people of the past, what pipes they smoked and what tobaccos they smoked. Well, if any of you out there have any information on what anybody of infamy smoked, what kind of pipes, what kind of tobaccos, uh, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, post them on the radio show page, tweet them to me, uh, post them on Facebook, get the information to me. Uh, that information is not readily available on the internet. I mean, it's harder than hell to find it, and I've been digging around looking. So if anybody's got any resources or information or ideas on anything like that, let me know. Start shooting those in, and we'll put together a segment on there. Uh, and because this is only like two hours after last week's show went out on the air, 
I will sum up my thoughts real quick on what Tom was trying to get across, and I think it's best said by what uh, Brad or Lord of the Pipe Rings wrote. I'm with Brian and Tom. If you smoke a pipe and pipe tobacco, you're cool in my book, unless it's Enterdale. That's not tobacco. Okay, whatever. Um, Us pipe smokers are a small community, and I find it very counterintuitive to snobbishly shun someone because they don't smoke aged tobaccos in a $1,500 straight-grain artisan pipe. I hope this interview will break the stereotypes and help some people to check out the other aisle. I've been watching YouTube videos and posting on these forums for about six years, and I can say there are great people in both who are a wealth of knowledge in regards to this hobby. It's safe to say we all know someone who's dealing with some form of diabetes. Let's band together and beat last year's fundraising. Yeah, so let me let me just say, first of all, you know, I prefer if you listen to this radio show. If you prefer YouTube, fine. Go there. Don't hate somebody or don't argue with people because they don't follow in the same mold that you do. We're all pipe smokers and we all enjoy the pipe smoking hobby. And uh, lastly, uh, Gloucester Man wrote, uh, posting a manifesto a week before you're going to be on the radio show seems a bit deliberate to me. So if there is provocation to be assigned, it's not here. When you make those kinds of assertions, in my humble opinion, you're trolling for reactions. YouTubers take themselves way too seriously for my taste, but for those that enjoy it, have at it. Um, I'll say that um, there's a lot of YouTubers that don't take themselves very seriously, and they're quite entertaining. And I'll say that there are a lot of people on the forums that take themselves very seriously, and then there's folks that are very entertaining. It's just a crossover, and... uh, we're all pipe smokers and we all just need to love each other and get along. All right. Comments, questions, suggestions, post them on pipesmagazine.com on the radio show page. Uh, if you're on Facebook, follow the pipes magazine radio show right there on Facebook. And in just a minute, rant time. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today.
I know this is about uh, two weeks old already, but uh, listen, I'm backed up on rant, so I gotta rant faster, or quicker. Anyway, April 1st is April Fool's Day here in the United States. I don't know if you guys have this in the rest of the world, but here in the United States, we like to do little April Fool's jokes to people. Well, uh, let me tell you, I find the really good ones to be wonderful and funny as long as they're done so that they're just a you're just kind of questioning it a little bit is this real or it's not too far over the top it's not too crazy you know but then you get all these stupid people that come up with the most bizarre bogus whatever april fools jokes and now because of facebook and social media and all that stuff now you get pictures to go with them And, I mean, come on, people, really. If you're that stupid and you can't come up with something good, you know what? You're better off not putting anything up and cluttering up the airways or the internet waves with all these really dumb, obnoxious April Fool's jokes. Uh, The dumbest one that I saw was somebody had posted a picture of what looked like the entrance to Disney's California Adventure in California on fire. And I'm looking at, you know, come on, people, really? Do you have to do stuff like that? I mean, couldn't you have done something like, oh, Disney's California Adventure rolls back prices to opening day of $1? You know, come on, let's let's be a little creative, a little innovative. Let's not use shock and gore. If you can't come up with something really good, then don't put it out there. Remember, it's better to be thought a fool than open one's mouth and remove all doubt. Um, Which is one of the reasons why we did absolutely nothing for April Fool's Day. So, there you go. Alright, another episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show is uh, done and finished. Again, comments and questions, pipesmagazine.com. Post it right there on the radio show page. I love reading those. Uh, Follow me on Facebook. Uh, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And with all that, I'll say thank you for tuning in and thank you to Stephen Willett for joining me. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to Michael Jordan plays ball. Charles Manson kills people. I talk. Everyone has a talent.